It is the 200 level episode 147 as of yet untitled as we get ready for the second half of Illinois, Missouri. Mike Carpenter here with Isaac Ambrose, who you know, and also Andrew Wilson. We'll introduce him in a bit. Me and him go way back. Many an Illini game we have watched before we get started. In this second half, a quick reminder, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdo.com. And you could use coupon code Mike for $5 calzone, $6 premium and construction zones at dpdo.com. Also, fourth and Kirby, just in time for Christmas. You might want to hurry, though, to make sure you get it in time for the holidays. Fourth and Kirby, use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order. T shirts, crew neck sweatshirts, great swag at fourthandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name the kind of insurance, Brian has it. And having worked with them, I can vouch for how smooth of a process it was. So that is Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. It has been a busy week, and guys, we will use the timeouts and all that to maybe talk a little bit of Illini football coaching search. But overall, an impressive first half for Illinois. It was not looking good early. And uh, Isaac, I want to start with you because it felt very familiar, those first five or six minutes where Saturday night felt lethargic and that they never really recaptured that. And it felt like we were kind of trending that same direction until the defense really ramped up the intensity felt like you picked up right where you left off, like you're saying, against Mizzou. And you were just turning the ball over. You looked sloppy. And granted, Minnesota was making most of their shots at the beginning. I think they started off three for three from the three-point line. But, yeah, you were turning the ball over. You didn't look like you just had a few days off of just straight practice. But then you picked it up. You played defense. And Kofi just, I don't know, he looks like he all of a sudden developed like a post game, like, He's got multiple post moves. He did a little kind of fade away off the glass in the first half. And that was really the key to getting that huge lead. I mean, you dominated Minnesota those last like 10 minutes or so. So, but yeah, the positive is you're up 11. The negative is you came out sloppy again, but it's all good. Kofi with another take here. He's going to go the line with 19.27 to go. A foul on Minnesota. I think that might, we'll see if that's on Robbins or this Gosh kid, both Gosh, who is not really having a good season for Minnesota. But Kofi will go the line here. And uh, Andrew, about Kofi, you know, these first few games have been a little bit puzzling because it's not like he was perfect last year, but he seemed to have more of a flow to his game. And I don't know. It's like his hands regressed. And because of that, everything's looked kind of messy until he finally got it going midway through that first half. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's such an interesting season. Like, I mean, with everything going on COVID related, these guys are trying to get into a rhythm. He, he's still a kid. I mean, he doesn't look like a kid, but um, I, I think he's going to figure it out. And I think everything we saw in the first half, I think this is the type of, uh, of kind of momentum booster or confidence he needs. And obviously he's a huge part of this team. I think we showed, we've shown in the first, uh, the first six games that different guys can step up. Georgie was huge for us against Baylor. Adam Miller uh, provided a a ton of spark, the first couple kind of cupcakes. Um, So it's nice to know that we're not reliant on one guy. I mean, Io is always going to be Io, but the deeper we get into the season, Kobe's obviously a huge part of this team. And so it's, it's definitely reassuring to see him kind of get going that first half. Yeah, he makes two free throws there and gets a rebound. So with 19 to go, Illinois back up to a 13-point lead. Here's DeMonte up top looking over for Io. Io taking it to the basket and a nice block there from Robbins, as he so often does, and he throws it off of Kofi's leg. So it'll be Minnesota ball, 18.47 to go. And, you know, to that point, Andrew, I'm thinking about how the Missouri game was so frustrating because no one else really stepped up. But we have had all these tantalizing glimpses this year of, man, when this guy does this and this guy does this, And I had this thought, Isaac, you know, as I'm watching this first half and you see Trent finally, he gets eight points in the first half after he struggled early. You start to see these signs that, my God, if this team put it all together, the Missouri game and and the Baylor game, those are distant memories. And if anything, maybe essential for this team to develop and uh, build some character, because I guess they're still young and we know that the best product, Isaac, will probably be in March, not December. It was a nice feeling knowing that the past few games, even when you've gone into bad stretches, you still have guys that can score double digits like like Trent. You know, he he went off for 30 points just a few a couple of years ago. And Kofi Adam Miller started. <laughs> yeah, Kofi's wow. just been a monster. Adam started off the year so strong. 
And then he has he had a few quick buckets and a few quick few turnovers, but that's one thing you've really not had the past 10 years or so, especially with gross. Like when your starters came off the floor, you were really searching on that bench. So the fact that like Curbelo can put up double digits, um, Hawkins gives you good minutes, and then you just need a couple guys uh, to have a good scoring night and then play consistent defensively. And you're gonna you're gonna give some teams fits just because your backups and your bench is gonna be so much better than theirs. And I think what's encouraging too is that I don't think this team has played an A game yet. You know, I mean, the Duke game was close, but they were so messy as far as turnovers that I struggle to call that an A. And we don't even know how good Duke is. They just lost Jalen Johnson indefinitely because of a foot injury or something, and that's not good. But you know, I'm thinking, um, Andrew, how far would how far back would we have to go for an Illinois team that? You feel like on, on their best night, they would beat whoever they played. I, I know the token answer is 4 5 but I mean, could we go to Gross's first year when Brandon and DJ, if they were knocking down threes, or is, is that probably a stretch? I was always a Weber critic, so looking back, I, I, was, I think I was more pessimistic than, than some people were optimistic. So yeah, to me, it's the, the 4 5 team. Um, and certainly we've had some great players since then, but I think... It, it, the challenge has always been putting it all together. And, and there were glimmers of hope. Brandon was obviously great. Uh, the Jeremy Richmond thing was so promising. Myers Leonard was an incredible player. But this, this feels like the first time since 05 where we really put uh, a complete product together. And, and any given night, we can beat anybody we play. Trent with a missed 15-footer there from the elbow. This is Minnesota. Not quite on a break here. We got 17.30 to go. It's a 13-point lead for Illinois. And we're going to get a block on Trent not sure how. I, I will say that Trent, to me, in a lot of ways, Andrew, he's an X factor, which is such a, a cliche term, but defensively, he has been phenomenal this year. He's been great on car tonight, really kind of quieting him down. That was a charge. I, I don't see how that was a block there, regardless. And he does have eight points in the first half. You know, I don't know if we're going to get freshman Trent in terms of production, and maybe he wasn't the most efficient back then either, Andrew. But do you think as a shooter for him, is it a rhythm thing? Is it the fact that he's not the primary scorer now? Like, is it just a sort of figuring out his role still? I think it's hard. I mean, when you play with great players, you, you think that he's going to get better looks. I mean, the, the, he's super tough. I think, uh, I, I mean, I, I think anytime you're that small of a point guard too. I mean, I, I've seen Trent Frazier in person and he's, he's probably 5'10". Uh, so I, I think to be able to get your shots off and pick your spots with a small player is really hard. Um, and, and, you know, he's playing a completely different role than he did when he first got to Illinois. So, I mean, his toughness, his leadership is obviously huge. And uh, as a credit to him, I think he's every step of the way embraced his role when it's changed. Um, and, and yeah, I think, I think he's going to be huge for this team and, and kind of showing the young guys the right way to do things. Yeah. He's, he's the easiest guy to root for him and DeMonte because they're the holdovers from the previous regime and a, a badly missed three there from Minnesota. Just to give you a quick recap on that. Great defense yet again led to a fast-break opportunity for Illinois. And when this Illinois team runs, Isaac, we knew that, I mean, the first few games kind of teased us with the three-point shooting. And we're thinking, oh my God, half-court half offense is going to be great too. But this team's bread and butter is going to be when they get out and run. And Io, he always finishes, it feels like, just as he did there. It, it, it just seems like, God, when this team decides that they're going to show up defensively all night, that they will be as good as any team in the Big Ten. So that's why I think the early hiccups kind of threw us for a loop and, and even hurt my confidence a little bit. Yeah, that is one nice thing. I like what you just said. This team, it's almost like they flip switches, and but that switch can also go off. So at the beginning of this game, a few minutes in, you flip the switch and you're like, all right, let's go on a 22 to 3 run or whatever. But then you can also flip that switch off like you did against Baylor. You played like four bad minutes and you were screwed the rest of the night. So but it's a nice feeling knowing that I, we could be down 10 and I could, it's almost like the Golden State Warrior effect back when Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, you know they can score 20 points in like two minutes. Um, but basketball is a game of runs and I feel like you have guys that can can run down the floor. Kofi's run down the floor pretty well. And the key difference I saw, Duke, you shot like 65% from three. And Missouri, you shot like 25 or 30%. So that was a, also a huge difference um, in the game. And having a guy like Io that can just tear you up um, end to end. And then guys like Adam that can spread you out. You're just, 
so dangerous on all parts of the court. Uh, real quick, guys, what commercial are you on? I'm trying to see where we're at because we all got the streaming apps. I'm on a Domino's, three topping pizzas for $7.99 each, curbside delivery. That's what I'm on. I'm seeing, a, I'm seeing a Nissan commercial. A Nissan. Oh, okay. Is it, is it in the snow? Is that right? Like cars in the snow and stuff? Um, I'm trying to think here because I got, I think I'm I went. Not, I'm not seeing any snow. Okay. All right. I got, I went Nissan, Domino's, and now we're Geico. So I think what I'll do, guys, is I'll pause it as we get to um, Isaac. Let's do this on uh, whatever app you're on. I'm going to pause right when it gets back to the game coverage at a break. Okay. And then we'll, we'll all hit play at the same time. Uh, real quick, I'm sure that's compelling podcasting for everybody, but what the hell? That's what these second half podcasts are like. Uh, real quick, before we get back to this, so Illinois, 13-point lead after the first uh, media timeout here in the second half, holding their lead, actually expanding it by a couple points. Defense remaining really good. Offense, half court a little bit. Eh. Transition offense, fantastic. Before we get back to uh, some game Game coverage here, and we'll do more play-by-play. A reminder, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. I mentioned Domino's earlier. That stuff's garbage. Don't buy that. Get DP Doe. Uh, and they will deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. It's super cold outside. Stay warm, and they will bring a piping hot calzone, calzone to your door. That's dpdoe.com. Okay, so as we uh, look at the schedule here, this is a game that I was kind of hoping would be a get-right game. And it appears to be so, so far, as long as Illinois keeps its intensity up. It, I don't think it'll be a huge issue. But as you go forward, you got at Rutgers on Sunday, at Penn State on Wednesday, Indiana at home next Saturday. And as you look at that schedule, I want to get each of you guys' thoughts here. What is the likeliest outcome? Out Rutgers at Penn State versus Indiana in the four-game stretch, I think three and one, you're still feeling pretty good. 4-0, you're on top of the moon, but 2-2, two and two, I think you're still kind of uh, having some questions. Isaac, what do you think? I mean, obviously, I want to go undefeated in that stretch, oh. but I think... I'm pausing here at the game. Sorry, Isaac. I'm pausing at the oh, game. Oh, yeah, Just yeah, yeah. Gonna... Okay. Okay. Andrew, let us know um, when Andrew, let us know when you get back to the game. It's like a replay of yeah, I. Yeah, it just started again. Okay, here we go. I think we're good now. Sorry, Isaac. <laughs> no, you're good. I, again, want to go undefeated, obviously, and I think... You can if you play to the best of your ability, but just with those road games like at Rutgers, I think that's probably the one you might lose. Uh, that's the one I feel the worst about just because Rutgers has looked pretty great this year and just traveling all the way out there to Piscataway. But good teams don't make excuses. So I think if you want to be Big Ten champs, you got to go undefeated in those little stretches and then your losses are going to have to be to Michigan State, Iowa, Wisconsin, um, in those few games, but you can afford a loss like at top 25 Rutgers. So I would say three and one is most likely. Andrew, have you watched Rutgers yet? Cause they are big athletic, uh, Ron Harper, Jr. Geo Baker. I mean, they're good this year again. Yeah. Yeah. They're tough. I think, um, yeah, I think, I mean, th- these big 10 games are a war and I think what even makes the season more interesting is, is, you know, kind of, uh, home court being neutralized a little bit with no fans. So I think so many of these big 10 games, the, the underdogs are going to come out swinging. And there's going to be a lot of close games. Um, I, I think, again, we have the talent to play with anybody in the country and, and I expect it to win every game and, and compete. So I would also like to see us go three and zero. but I think also like one of the things that I really like about the, the regime that, uh, that, that Underwood's kind of building is like, and we talked about this, Mike, you schedule tough, you play a, a ton of, of really challenging games early and you get better and you grow from it. And so I think regardless of the outcome of some of these games, I think as long as we're getting better as a team, there can be some delayed gratification where come March, we're, we're super tough. Uh, maybe maybe we're not a, a one or a two seed, but um, you know, I, I think Underwood's going to prepare us well for a, a run deep into the tournament. Crabella with a great take there. So it is now back to a 13-point lead with 15.30 to go, 48-35. Um, yeah, to that point, Andrew, I was thinking back to, you know, the Bruce Weber era, 0405. That they also had the benefit of not the toughest Big Ten. And in the non-conference, they did smoke Gonzaga, and they smoked Wake Forest. So when they played top-level competition, they beat them. They were challenged. But I really think back, Andrew, to the early self era, and the first couple years were uh, Kofi with the feed from Corbello and one Corbello special. We'll talk plenty about him. But Andrew, I don't know if you recall no one or 2000, 2001. And that opening stretch included the Maui Invitational. You beat Maryland and you lost to Arizona. 
You lost at Duke in the Big Ten ACC Challenge or in Greensboro, something like that. You beat Arizona in Chicago. You beat Seton Hall at home. Those were five top 10 games in the span of six weeks. And you didn't win them all. You went three and two, but that set everything else up for a Big Ten where they went 13 and three. And that was a pretty good Big Ten from what I recall. So, uh, yeah, it matters. It does matter who you play early. Yeah, definitely. I think I think the the Baylor game, like even though it wasn't the outcome we wanted to see, there there had to be a ton of confidence that the, the team took away to play play them so well in the first half, and and we put ourselves in a position to, you know, w- without maybe a lapse towards the the middle of the second half to to come out victorious. And so I know Underwood's talking about the positives from that game, and and uh, I think he actually challenged them to a rematch once the the Baylor game that following Saturday yeah. got canceled, but. Uh, so yeah, I think I think there's there's um there definitely can be light at the end of the tunnel or or positives in a in a negative or a loss. Isn't it amazing, Isaac, how quickly the the Missouri game? I, I was pretty pissed off, and then Sunday, fortunately, we got the distraction of Lovey Smith getting fired, and you know then we had something else to talk about and focus on. But it is amazing, and this is what I love about basketball. Unlike football, you don't have to wait a week. You waited 72 hours, not even that, and then you're right back on the court, and it's the start of Big Ten. So I, I hope that sooner rather than later, especially after one at like Rutgers or something, it, it's it's whatever, you know. And I, I hate saying that because I was so fired up on Saturday, but I, I was not nearly as raw about it even 12 hours later. I don't know about you no, though. No, I Maybe honestly had, I hadn't had those salty Mizzou vibes come back since probably today when I was at the radio station, we were talking about it. And because the lovey stuff was just so distracting and there's just so much to think about with that decision coming up. But all weekend, I kind of had the thought in the back of my mind. And I know we talked about this on Saturday during the podcast. You just, the past few years don't seem to play that well against Mizzou. And Mizzou seems to just show up against you. So that's not a Big Ten game, so you can still easily win the Big Ten or do well in the Big Ten and have a crappy game against Mizzou. So that was kind of in the back of my head, knowing that Mizzou just stands up for those games and we haven't in the past. But, yeah, I, I've definitely forgotten a little bit about that game because Minnesota's undefeated. Granted, they haven't played anybody, but you're taking it to them pretty easily. Kofi's just eating up down low, and a lot of the problems that look you looked like you had against Mizzou have faded away. Um, Granted, hopefully no sort of comeback happens, but I'm not really thinking too much about what happened in Columbia now that we're up 15 against a Big Ten opponent when it actually matters. Yeah, I thought thought Missouri was somewhat similar to Minnesota maybe. I I think we're seeing, and I know that Illinois was flat Saturday, but if I'm just judging eye test right here, I know Illinois is playing better, but Missouri is far and away better than this Minnesota team. So I, I remember making the comp that, you know, losing at Missouri would be like if you lost to Minnesota on the road in the Big Ten, you'd be like, ah, crap. But, you know, there's no gimmies. So we would understand that. It's just the fact that you got the emotion tied up into it. I mean, Andrew, we we were there back in uh, for the Bragg and Rights game, the Tracy Abrams, when he hit the two free throws late. And I, I got to give I'll give gross credit for this. Illinois was the aggressor in all of those John Gross brag and rights games. And I don't know why Underwood, he won his first year with the help of Mark Smith, but the last three years, and we were at Esquire last year for that awful game, they've been flat. And I don't know if it's simply a case of not caring as much or if it's a bad matchup, but I don't want to see Missouri again. I wouldn't want to be in their side of the bracket in the NCAA tournament. I don't like our team's chances against this Missouri team for some reason. Yeah, actually, I have I have uh, memories too, Mike. Uh, I think it was the year after Abrams hit the free throws. Ravante Wright oh, sunk right. the game winner, yep. and we yep. were there for that too, if I'm that's not mistaken. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great rivalry, and I think uh, yeah, it's one you always want to win. Um, Why do you think, Andrew? Yeah, it's like it, it it's it puzzles me because on the Missouri side, you got three guys that. I think at, at some point we're all, yeah, three guys that were either committed or on the Illinois team. So Tillman Pickett and Mark Smith. So you would think that we'd be the ones pissed off at them, but it's the other way around. And and what makes it even worse is that in a way is that Mark Smith and Jeremiah Tillman didn't even have a good game against you. They did nothing. And they still were better than you for, you know, at least 35 minutes of that game. It, it just puzzles me. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think, uh, 
yeah, th- those guys took it personally, but it, it didn't show up on the court. So it was interesting for them to win despite I think they combined from nine points, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it, it's tough to say. I think, uh, maybe we weren't ready to play. Maybe it was, maybe it was a bad matchup. Again, I think it's so early in the season. Like these teams are trying to figure each other out and, and, uh, yeah. Hopefully it's it's one of those uh, learning experiences and, and we grow from it. Yeah, Mike Latulip has been showing up on Jeremy's podcast and he's he's been a great interview and he said that actually he's not at all worried about this team and he said a lot of those same things that you did that this early in the season because usually you get to the Bracken Rights game and both teams would have about 10 games, 10, 11 games under their belt. In this case, he had five, they had five. So it is a different point in the season. I um, Real quick as a reset here. So we have a foul on DeMonte. And this is going to be Robbins going to the line for Minnesota. 14.08 to go. 15-point Illinois lead. Kofi has still been eating up down low. I think he's at 20 or 22 points. And the key thing, I think the flip in that first half, Isaac, was when you had Robbins get his second foul. And it was like right on cue. You went on your run. They had to bring him back out with two fouls with about five minutes to go to stop the bleeding. But by that point, it was too late. I think, yeah, the major turning point was... Minnesota finally started missing a couple of shots and then Kofi had what six or eight straight down low and he's basically just been eating down low ever since this Robbins guy clearly hasn't gone against somebody oh my god let's see here Io with the ball up top you maybe you're a smidge ahead of me there's Andre Crabello I, I meant to pause no no that's okay it's it's hard to tell Andre Crabello with a long three that I don't even know how that went in but it did that was a rainbow <laughs> uh 55 37 I've never seen more arc on a shot and he had to shoot that at the end of the shot clock so we have looks like another foul on DeMonte uh, yeah, uh, what were we talking about right before that three? That was distracting. Just about the turning point in the first half yeah. and how um, we've kind of taken over. Yeah, Kofi's got 24. He still needs to work on his free throws. I don't know if you saw that last free throw. Yeah, it didn't, didn't even hit the rim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, six for 11. So, I mean, he could have 29 right now with 13 minutes to go, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, no, you're looking good. And it, Trebello, that makes me think, if Curbelo can develop that outside shot, because he's obviously already gotten better at going to the rim, he can cross up just about anybody. So if he can develop that outside shot and then people have to guard him out there, that's a great play. Hmm. Sorry. No, Curbelo you're fine. Just, you're, uh, what's just basketball beauty. Yeah, he gets the charge here on Robin. So is that Robin's fourth? I mean, it might be. I think so. Andrew, what's the NBA comp for Curbelo? Because I, I, Steve Greenberg's a columnist for the Sun Times, and I, he said it in jest, but you know he said the Steve Nash thing, and I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I get it because there are just so many creative plays that he makes, and he's going to make some mistakes, but you, you're, it's so exciting to watch him. But is there is there a future in the NBA for him? Because he is a little bit undersized, and who does he remind you of? Well, first off, I think he, I think he's like the you can argue that kids like him are the best college kids to recruit because he's, he's just, um, he's probably going to be a four-year player. So you get four years out of him. He's not, not, not quite good enough to leave early for the NBA, but in terms of a four-year kid, he's going to be one of the most productive kids in the country. He's going to be an all-conference player. Uh, it, it's so hard to say. I mean, his, his instincts and the stuff that you can't teach, um, you know, you, you, you think about putting him on an NBA floor now with a ton of athletes, cutters, a more wide open and fast-paced game. And like his game translates to the NBA. I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, could, could a guy like Adam Fletcher uh, make the same progress on his body like he did with IO. And uh, I, I can't remember which of the first two games it was, but Curbelo on a fast break flushed one. He, he, he yeah. jumped and just got a pretty clean dunk. And I was like, man, I, I didn't even know he could do that. So I think he already has sneaky athleticism. Um, but I think he's one of those guys where it's like, if he's as much of a gym rat as, as they say he is, and he wants to play his way into the NBA, um, I, I wouldn't bet against him. 25 points here for Kofi. He makes one or two free throws. So it's a 19 point Illinois lead. Now here's a storyline. And fortunately you, you build enough of a lead where I hope it doesn't matter, but both teams have seven fouls. So this second half will go about an hour and 15 minutes. Three-pointer is no good for Minnesota. Another board for Kofi. His stat line is going to be ridiculous at the end of this. So 12.50 to go. Illinois, uh, Iowa with about an 18-footer. That rims out. Minnesota here on a fast break, but they got to pull it back up top, it looks like. A long three-point attempt that is up. Oh, now it looks like a turnover for Minnesota. Man, I, uh, I'm, surpri- I'm, I'm not shocked, but I'm surprised by this because I'm sitting there, Isaac, and if I sound like kind of chill... 
it's it's on purpose. Because I, I, I got to pick my spots as a fan to get really pumped up for a Missouri game, but I can't do that every night, right? So early on, I was almost preparing myself for the worst. And now I'm just sort of sitting back and, and just enjoying an ass kicking, which, I mean, I don't, last year you smoked Purdue at home, but you didn't really have a lot of Big Ten blowouts last year. All those games went down the last four minute timeout. Yeah, you played most of your opponents close. You played up and down to the level of your competition last year, um, having those big wins on the road like Wisconsin and Michigan. And then somehow you squeaked one out against Nebraska, who by the end of the season was playing a couple football players. So you managed to meet your opponent at their skill level. I was the same way earlier. I was just scared. I feel like we're all scarred as Illinois fans, especially after a shaky game like Mizzou to start to question things. So I was scared to think how ugly it would be, how everybody would be talking tonight if this game somehow went south. But it's just a it's a big sigh of relief to realize, okay, this team is, you know, they still have the capability of beating up on Big Ten opponents and they still have a shot at the Big Ten title. So we all knew it in the back of our heads, but it's nice to get some reassurance. Kofi just gets a garbage rebound. So he got a rebound. He got it taken away from him. And then the shot was missing. He got another rebound. So I don't even know what his statute is after an alley-oop from Io. So we have a 20-point Illinois lead with 12.05 to go. Minnesota is out of sorts. And, you know, listen, they're missing shots, and some of them are open. But this is a good Illini defense. I'm thinking back to... I just had this thought, Andrew, how last year th- there was a toughness part of that team. And I know that's a very John Grossian thing to say, but the Andres Feliz factor, right? And that was a concern for me coming into this year about how do you match that toughness when you don't have that guy on your team? So where do you think it's coming from? Because does it have to come from Io leading by example? Does it have to come from DeMonte being the glue guy? Can you conjure that up? As a team, you think? I mean, because it's been hit or miss so far this year in terms of uh, how often this team is matching that intensity. Yeah, I think it's a culture thing. I think I think a team is as tough as its best players, and I, I certainly think like when you when you watch Io and, and Demonte, the way that that um, Demonte's kind of taken the other Peoria kid, Adam Miller, under his wing, the the body language from Io uh, in one of the first two games. You know, he kind of cuffed him around that uh, Curbella around the head and, and and gave him some love. And so, I think uh, I think the team is supportive. But I, I think I think part of the culture too comes from Underwood. Like I, I picture these practices without without being there. Obviously, is as he, he's running them for hours, and and you don't get tired. That's not like an optional thing. And so, I, I think Underwood um, un- Underwood builds tough teams, and I think he uh, you know it kind of trickles down to IO who, who leads by example. Um, and I think we are a really tough team. I think, I think um, even though a couple of games we've come out flat, I truly believe uh, that, that this is the toughest team that we've had in, in, in quite some time. It is. I mean, what I loved about last year's team was that despite their faults and they were, it was a weird season because it wasn't good for the first two months. And then they figured something out and they won a ton of close games. So that speaks to the toughness. I thought Alan Griffin was part of that too. And I know that he could be kind of weird out there, but you knew offensively that he was talented and then a great rebounder too. Defensively, he would have lapses, but he was always active. So I think it kind of covered up the fact that he would miss a guy here or like in the Michigan State game when he didn't block out and that led to Tillman's getting the dunk to win it. But yeah, I, I am encouraged. I should say when this team is on, I'm encouraged, Isaac, that they know what they have to do. And now it's just simply a matter of, okay, as the season goes along, how do they find, because you can't play balls to the wall. Like, okay, 40 minutes of hell, Nolan Richardson style for Arkansas back in the day. There is a fatigue factor if you aren't careful. There has to be a blend of focus and intensity. And it seems like, uh, you know, this team, if they can just kind of chip away at that as the season goes on, then they'll be primed and ready. But like you said earlier, that's why the two losses early our inclination is, oh God, here we go again, even though that may not be the case at all. I think Brad Underwood put it well in the last, in the press conference after Mizzou, he was putting a lot of pressure on effort and that rebounding just comes down to effort and they out-rebounded us and we just 
didn't look like we were giving it our all. So it's nice to know when guys start rebounding and when you're not making shots and the skillful things aren't really clicking for you, you can always have effort. You can always play great defense. So if you can just consistently do that, you're always going to have a shot in every single game you play. And even tonight, I mean, from the free throw line, we haven't been that good. There's still things we can fix, and we're up 20 because we've been running up and down the court. The defense has been great. And those are things that just take effort. So that's how talented we are, and that's how deep we are. But again, like, like against Mizzou, we can't have Iowa scoring 36 points because he's going to get gassed. Yeah. And teams yeah. are going to know that if they just shut down Io, then you're screwed. So you really have to just uh, give effort like that and then if you're knocking down shots, you're going to be unstoppable. I couldn't help it, guys. I had to go check Alan Griffin's stat line here. So he has, he's averaging about 20 points a game. And, oh, Georgia with a nice putback here. So there's 11.30 to go. And, okay, so here's his last stat line. 22 points, 10 boards, 4 assists against Boston College. So that was on December 12th. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, especially in that Missouri game when offensively we were going through these stretches where we had a hard time scoring it. I thought, oh, man. Like, if we had him... And I know that Adam Miller will get his, but, you know, to Isaac's point, you know, Adam Miller is still playing good defense, despite the fact that offensively he's not doing that great. Going to do a quick reset here with 11.17 to go. Missouri's going to have an and one opportunity here, a foul on Coleman Hawkins. You know, he's showing some things, but also showing that he's a freshman. So it's a 20-point lead with 11.17 to go. Quick reminder, the 200 level is brought to you by 4th and Kirby. Online at 4thandkirby.com. Use coupon code... 200 level for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. Get it in time for Christmas. Okay, so 19-point lead here, 11-17 to go. We have a double bonus for Missouri, or sorry, Minnesota. We have bonus for Illinois. Andrew, the game on Saturday, I don't know if you recall, well, I'm sure you recall this, 53 fouls called, and that reminded me a lot of a certain tournament game back in 2001 against Arizona. It was it disrupted the flow. Like it, it was bad enough that Illinois wasn't playing well. It was made worse by the fact that there was no rhythm to that game. Yeah, and, and you, you, you wonder if that was part of Missouri's strategy to kind of rough, rough it up a little bit, right? Seemed like, like it. I think it, it's, you know, we're, we're a team that's best in transition. You slow the game down a little bit. And um, yeah, I think, I think uh, Conzo Martin probably channeled some of the, the inner Illinois hatred from Mark Smith and Tillman and, and said, hey, like, you know, knock, knock these guys down when, when you can. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, certainly would be nice to, to, to replay that game. Uh, the more we talk about it, the more it actually stings. Cause I just hate losing in Missouri, yeah, but Mark Smith is just nothing. I know he has these games where he's scoring like 18 points from, okay, well, we've had two really good sequences here. Andre Curbelo had about a 15 footer. Illinois gets the stop, comes back, IO and contested 10 footer there in transition. Back now it's a 23 point lead. IO quietly, quietly with 10 points, six boards, four assists. Uh, quick shot here for Minnesota. So they're up 21. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is crazy, guys, because I just saw this today. Illinois has not won a Big Ten opener since 2013. I, I don't know how that's possible, and I can actually recall that. That was a game against Penn State, I think, at home. It was the flying Illini reunion game, and that Illinois team started off really good and gross his second year. Uh, Coleman Hawkins gets fouled here. But it, it's crazy to think, Isaac, that we are seven years removed from the last Big Ten opening win. Do you recall last year, Isaac, what the opener in the Big Ten was, and uh, who did we lose to? Oh, it was to Maryland. You were up 15 on the road. And they came back. Anthony Cowan hit like a 35-foot three-pointer, and he lost. If we win that game, we win the Big Ten, right? And I know there's a few other games you could point to. But it was We were one game out, or were we two games out? I think just one. We would have got a share. I think it would have been a five-team tie, right? Or, well, we would have flipped with would Maryland. We have taken Maryland's spot. We would flip. And I know it's like butterfly effect because you yeah. can't. You lose that game, and do you grow from it? But I'm like, no, I think they still would have grown from it because they would have withstood the rally and they would have had the win against the top 10 Maryland team. I, I remember that game well at Huber's and I was not buying stock on that team yet because of how bad they had looked in the Miami game, the one before, and then just being gutted and thinking, well, here we go again, another gross-like season where you just missed the tournament. And no, you would have made it, but other things happened. Uh, this year, though, should be a problem for this Illinois team to make the tournament. And it's 66 to 43. 9.30 to go, a long three from Minnesota. It's no good. Rebound to Illinois. And I don't know if you remember this last year too, Isaac. There was a guy named Tauscher 
who was smoking us, and he hasn't done much of anything. Adam Miller yeah. hits a three real quick. Wow. Sorry. But yeah, remember Tauscher last year with like oh, you've, 20-some points? Besides, yeah, because Trent Frazier bottled up uh, Marcus Carr last year. And if you look, the past few years, besides I think two years ago when you played at the barn and lost, you've just handled Minnesota. Because a couple years ago at home, remember you won like 85 to 57 or something like that. Mm -hmm. You just blew them out. Um, When you had that winning streak, um, beating Michigan State. And this is also crazy. I just looked at the stat line. Kofi's got his career high at, what, 27? And until a few minutes ago, Io was the second leading scorer with Holy eight, so. crap. I got to interrupt real quick, Isaac. <laughs> no. You, are, you might be ahead of me, but Andre Curbelo was on the baseline, and he was in no man's land. He just kind of throws it up for Trent, who I don't know how Trent didn't step out of bounds on the baseline. He shoots a long three. Trent with a few of those tonight. It is a 29-point, uh, 27-point, whatever, lead for Illinois and a quick timeout by what the sec- the worst coach in the Big Ten? I mean, is Patino, <laughs> is Patino the worst coach in the Big how, Ten? How long is his leash? I, I wanted to ask you guys that. What do you, like, what's his... Uh, I'm going to go to Wikipedia here and see what he's done. I think, Carp, I think the least proven Big Ten coach or worst Big Ten coach has got to be who's ever replacing Pat Chambers right now because I don't even know who it is. I don't even... I still don't know his name. And they've actually had a decent start to the season, which that, that game next yeah. Wednesday will be tough. Uh, okay, so here is... Richard Patino's record at Minnesota, 133 and 108. So he's got a 55% win percentage, but in the Big Ten, 48 and 82. The best he has ever finished in conference, fourth. But here is finishes seventh, 10th, 13th, fourth, 11th, 7th, 12th. And if, if tonight's any indication, you're looking at another double digit finish because, I mean, we're playing well, but his, they suck. His best season was a couple years ago, Jordan Murphy. And they were a 10 seed in the tournament. And I think they upset Louisville at the seven seed. And then they lost to Michigan State, which Michigan State obviously ended up going to the final four. But even that team, they were impressive, but he didn't really take it any step further. So I don't know why he's still the coach. Andrew, um, to answer he, your question about his leash. Had some, oh, go ahead, Andrew. Oh, sorry, Carp. I was, I was going to say, he's also had a tough a tough go on the recruiting front. That, yeah. that, I think his name was Isaiah Washington, a, a, a Brooklyn... Uh, a New York City point guard who uh, who was a four star kid and, and highly sought after. He came in pretty pretty highly touted, left the program, and then Chet Holmgren, who's the number one recruit in next year's class, mm-hmm. actually committed to to Minnesota. Um, I, I, he might not go to college at all, uh, depending on how the next twelve months play out. But he decommitted. So I, yeah, it's, it's been a tough go for Patino. You know, Andrew, the reason he might have a long leash, he won the NIT. In 2014, actually. He won the NIT. He's been to two tournaments in seven years. But you know what? Like, in his defense, I've always looked at Minnesota basketball. They had Dan... Okay, well, first off, back in the 90s, Clem Haskins. And he had some pretty good teams. Uh, But I think there was a scandal. Like, they came in here one year when Lon Lon Kruger was coach. And they were fourth in the nation. And Lon Kruger's Illinois team smoked them. Um, And then he got in some trouble. They brought in Dan Munson, who was the Gonzaga coach before uh, Mark View. And and there might have been a guy in between those, but Munson, about six years, made a couple tournaments. That was it. Then they got Tubby. Same thing. Seven, eight years, made a couple tournaments. Actually made the tournament his final season before they got rid of him. But it, I don't know, Andrew, like maybe this is just, in Patino's defense, that's just Minnesota. This is kind of what they are. Yeah, you just saying Tubby Smith. I, I in my head, I was drawing some Lovey Smith comparisons. Like you, you have success at a at a high level, and then you, you, you come to a lesser program and try to build it up, and it doesn't work. Yeah, you fizzle out. And, and I mean, you know, the Lovey Smith. <laughs> that way, I feel bad that the best news of the weekend was the fact that someone lost their job. But such is life. A long three for Minnesota. Kofi with another board, or is it a jump ball? Yeah, we got a jump ball. Possession arrow to Minnesota. Damn it. So we got a 27-point lead for Illinois. Eight minutes to go in the half. This has been, and this is why college basketball, I love it, and then I hate it. And you, you guys know, if you know the external factor that I hate with college basketball would be when officials impact the game and stretch these things to two hours and 20 minutes. That is NBA length. You, you don't need any college basketball games outside of a double overtime going two hours and 20 minutes, uh, even when you're up 27. It's like, do we really need to? 
stretch this thing out. Um, eight minutes, under eight minutes to the next dead ball will be a timeout. Minnesota taking it to the rim, and they cannot finish. Illinois might be on the run here. Io crosses half court over to Adam Miller for a three. It is up. It is good. Oh, boy. Illinois is feeling it. 30-point lead, 75-45. to 45. Uh, Vegas have the spread at eight and a half. Andrew, if you could have bet on Illinois in the state of Illinois, would you have bet on Illinois minus eight and a half points before this game? I thought the line was set about right. Um, yeah, these odds makers have a tough job. Um, you know, early in the season, like I've mentioned earlier, home court is maybe neutralized a little bit without any fans. Um, coming off of a Missouri loss, yeah, I think I think eight and a half, nine points seemed right. It's twenty-seven point lead here for That's Illinois. A very political answer. Well, no, no, but I, I thought the same thing, and I thought if I could have put money on it, I don't think I would have. Despite I, I thought that the bounce back game was likely, but in the Big Ten and not knowing how good Minnesota was at six and zero, oh, I thought you know late free throws, something like that. They backdoor it with like a, and he still won by seven and feel pretty good about it. But no, no, you're going to win by yeah twenty five thirty points, which is you're going to see Tyler Underwood guys. That's that's the territory we're approaching here Tyler Underwood is going to get significant minutes in this game and good for him uh 656 to go 75 to 48 and yeah I <laughs> I'm doing some play-by-play but at this point when you're up by this much it doesn't really matter so uh let's talk as we got a little bit of dead time here we have an Illinois football coaching search and I've ru- I've run the gamut here in terms of who I was thinking about yesterday was my Nathan Shieldhouse day which I know is potentially ludicrous but I just thought, you know, maybe it works. Maybe that's our Pat Fitzgerald. Today is my complete opposite of that. It is my Lance Leipold Buffalo coach day. The safe pick. The guy that won Division Three titles, and then he turned around this Buffalo program. Has a great offense and a great defense. Uh, not just one or the other in the MAC. So, uh, what has been your process here, Isaac? What Have you run the gamut, or are you locked and loaded on one guy? I've been running the gamut in my head. Um, that's a funny thing to say. Um, but that makes sense. Yeah, I like, personally, if I had to pick... Another three for Adam Miller. The guys Good at the Lord. State, the, the guys at the station kind of convinced me that Brett Bielma is actually a more attractive candidate than I had thought. His record at Wisconsin the last few years was really good. And he went to three straight Rose Bowls or three straight Big Ten titles. Yep, that's right. And won two of them, I believe. And then um, at Arkansas, he had a rough start. But then he had seven, eight, and seven in the SEC. That was playing Alabama and Auburn. So that's eight, seven, or seven, eight, seven in the SEC is probably like nine or ten wins in the Big Ten. Um and then he kind of fizzled out at the end. Now he's been bounced around the NFL. So he's proven to take a college team far in the Big Ten and in the Big Ten West specifically. So him and Lance Leipold are the guys I like just because I feel like Lance, he's got the resume that just sounds like a guy that's going to go from the MAC to a Power Five and then take him to the top. So he's your typical bring a guy up from the lower levels. Yeah, yeah. I think that I don't think he would fail. I, I think he'd raise the floor for sure, Leipold. But the Bielema thing, Andrew, is interesting to me. And I, I recall the Wisconsin days with them. They were great. They were fantastic. And he, it sounds like his agent is actively campaigning for him to get a job. So it seems like if Illinois really wanted Bielema, they could probably just go get him. Would you have any quite like he's two years removed from college? Uh, he is not the friendliest guy. But does it seem like a, a sneaky home run hire to you? Because it does make some sense. Yeah, I don't know if there is a home run hire, but I, I do trust that Whitman will do his due diligence and, and get it right. And I I sleep a little bit better at night having more confidence in Whitman than than a Mike Thomas oh, or, yeah. or a Gunther <laughs> who I think made some made some mistakes. Um, so yeah, I think I think it was the right time for Levy to go and. You know, I don't. I don't regret the hire at all. It made sense no. at the time. It, it played its course. It didn't work out, and so you move on to the next thing. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't really have a strong point of view or perspective. I, I think it'll be interesting. But again, I think, I think Whitman's going to find the right guy, and and I trust that he'll he'll make the right calculated decision. Yeah, I remember when Bielema left Wisconsin, and Gary Anderson came in. I think Gary Anderson was only there for 
like a year or two. And he won 10 games, nine games, which is what Wisconsin does. But Bielema had seemed to actually made them better than what they have been at the tail end of the Alvarez era. Because Alvarez towards the end, if I recall, was he was winning seven, eight games. They were kind of like Iowa. And then Bielema comes in. They're making Rose Bowls again. They're making Big Ten title games. And then he just abruptly leaves. So I, I get the allure of it. And I don't need my coach to be warm and cuddly. And I know that Bielema is not. He's kind of an abrasive personality. And I think there was actually a thing, and I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but that he had a thing with a co-ed. He kind of had a Larry Eustachy. Do you guys remember Larry Eustachy from Iowa State? Oh, yeah. Yeah, lost his job because he was out yeah. partying in a sorority or something. And all these pictures. I think Pete Carroll did the same thing too, right? Is he in the same uh, I think so. diagram? Part yeah, of but the, he's yeah. such a good coach that I don't think anyone really cared. I mean, did he, he left on his own accord from USC, right? He just went to the, the I thought it had something to do with an incident with a female college student, but I could okay. be wrong. I'd have to, I'd have to dig through the trenches there. It would make sense. I mean, the Larry Eustachy thing was hilarious. I mean, it's wrong, but it was kind of funny because he was just a kind of dopey looking guy who, who I guess partied with coeds. <laughs> Eighty-two to fifty. That was yeah. I think. Sorry, that was just man on man assault right there. Yeah, Kofi again. 82 to 51, 430 to go. And I for the listeners who are like, where's the play-by-play carp? It's like, hey, we're up 30. We're just chilling. We're just talking. Um, this is oh, a quick reminder before we go forward here. Uh, 200 level brought to you by State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at Brianismyguy.com. He gets the carp stamp of approval. It was such an easy process working with Brian and his staff. So that's Brianismyguy.com. Uh, as we kind of wind down this game, because there's not a whole heck of a lot more to talk about. We can go to the final buzzer and and talk a little bit of Tyler Underwood and whoever else they bring in. Oh, we might get Brandon Lieb, actually. We might get some Brandon Lieb uh, PT. But he he, uh, he needs all the reps and and uh, and tech he can get. And and here's the thing is that he can play as many minutes as you want this year, as can anybody. And he can redshirt. Like you were gonna redshirt him regardless. But hey, get him out there because they get that uh, think- free year in NCAA. I think I think actually more than game reps, what he probably needs is uh, a triple Chipotle order and and to take that down every day for the next uh, year and a half. And he then, needs the Nick Smith experience. He needs the Nick Smith experience. Yeah. Which, if you recall, oh, actually, no, no, no. Well, it was the Nick Smith and the Mike Tisdale experience where the narrative every single game, who regardless of who was calling it, was, hey, uh, yeah, Mike Tisdale's got a five thousand calorie a day diet. I, I I could go for that, Bob. And that was the joke. And the same thing with Nick Smith, even though. You know, Tisdale, to his credit, I feel kind of bad because we don't look back on those years fondly. He was pretty good. A good offensive player, for sure. Great shot. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't... Uh, Nick Smith was... was Even though Nick Smith was also talented, Nick Smith was more of a stiff. And, and at 7'2 or 7'3, how could he not be? But yeah, Tis, Tisdale was kind of fluid. He uh, he made, you know, being 6'11, 7 feet look, look pretty good. I remember Mike Davis being the one guy on that team. Like, you knew Dimitri was good, and he was consistently good throughout. And I feel bad that he didn't accomplish more because he did his part. But Mike Davis was the one that could always be the most frustrating because you saw he was a tweener, 6'7", 6'8", had a great shot, um, nice touch, but there would be games where he would just disappear. And it always left you wanting more. And that may not be fair to him. He had a productive career, but uh, it's a shame that you know, we look back, and this is, Andrew, to your point about the Weber versus the Underwood era, the, the, the potential renaissance of the Weber era after uh, uh, some struggles in years four and five, they were all pinned on Tisdale, Davis, and McKamey. And I don't know if you bought it, but as a fan, I kind of thought, yeah, that's our new three-headed monster. Compare that to Kofi, Io, Adam Miller, or put, pick your third guy, and it's it's no comparison. Like it's just a different level of basketball. Yeah, even even if Weber was a master of X's and O's, which which we could sit here and debate. No, the the day, well, I think like, we're learning go, out. Go, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, college basketball and winning is predicated on on having superior talent. And I think uh, uh, Underwood Underwood, it's been really impressive what he's been able to do with with getting top fifty guys pretty early on and. Uh, I think he hit a little of a road, a little bit of a road bump. I think some of the the things that he thought was going to go his way didn't this year in terms of some of the kids we recruited. But um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he can get back on track for for 
the 2022 class. That's the big one. As you look at that class, Isaac, and think, okay, we got Luke Goody and nothing. And you can withstand that for next year's team. Like, I think with Georgie down low, okay, you know, hopefully Coleman Hawkins develops a little bit. I know your front court won't be as good as that Kofi, but you can withstand that with next year's roster. And then, I don't know, get a transfer to stem the tide. And then you got to really strike big in 2022. But what, when is your point of that you would start freaking out, Isaac? Or are you there for recruiting? I think once, if guys like AJ Casey and a few other guys from the 2022 class basically leave and go elsewhere, I would start freaking out then because then who are you going to have, I mean, carrying the team? Yes, Kerbel is going to be here for four years. Brad has proven that he can make guys more talented than they were in high school. So I think you're going to, next year, you're obviously not going to have as much potential as this year. And then the next year, you're probably going to have less. Um, so you got to do what guys like Izzo do and turn, you know, three-star recruits into stars. And hopefully you can pick up some other guys maybe in the transfer portal. But yeah, if it's 2022, and we are really not recruiting well, that's when I would be scared. But because you've recruited so well the past few years, and because I, I think Kofi's probably even coming back, I mean... God, wouldn't that be his, something? Anyway, we can, get, we can get into that later. But um, I think because you've done so well the past few years, you've, also, you've almost given yourself a grace period where you don't have to recruit as well. And in the past few years, like with Gross, it was like if you missed on your guy, you were screwed. Um, so it's nice kind of at least having this grace period for the time being where you're talented enough to last for a few years. Yeah. And I feel like when you got a lead guard like Curbelo, then that just changes the entire equation because as he gets better and, and, and I think we all are under the assumption he's a four-year player, uh, for a variety of reasons, even though who knows, I mean, he might just become the spectacular all American type by his junior year. It, it could happen because he's got those instincts with which to do it, but when you got a lead guard like him, I, I know after the first game on Twitter, some people were saying, well, you know, man, hopefully Adam Miller comes back next year too. I think Adam Miller's coming back. Just a hunch. Just a hunch. But I think yeah. it will. Uh, so you mix that in and Luke Goody. I'm excited to see him. Pure shooter. You like your backcourt. Uh, it really comes down. I think the wild card next year, Andrew, could be a if you don't land more guys in the 2021 class, certainly you could go get a transfer and the transfer market's going to be wide open for you. But the, Hutcherson was the guy that was being talked about much more than Grandison in the offseason as an offensive threat at the wing. And I'm thinking, okay, at this point, he's probably not going to be a factor this year with a bad back. And he could be that guy that if you can slot him in to the starting lineup as a wing that you can trust with Georgie, and uh, the other thing, too, I mean, DeMonte or Trent could come back if they wanted to. I think DeMonte, certainly, that's a possibility. So you, you wouldn't be a Big Ten title contender, but uh, you'd be a tournament team. I think, I, I, do you think Underwood is, at least has raised the level where you avoid, will avoid that pendulum swing from really, really good to, you know, 500 team that doesn't make the tournament? I, I, think, I think there's a lot to... Uh... I think there's a lot to learn about the young guys. I think if, if Curbelo and, and Miller progress as fast as they could, best case scenario, I think we're a really, really good team. Kofi comes back. Obviously, I, obviously I was going to leave. Um, but, but if you, if you take a sophomore Curbelo, a sophomore Miller, and, you know, maybe we get lucky and we get a leader like DeMonte to, to come back one more year. Um, I think, I think we have a really good team. Uh, not a top ten team like like we are now, but yeah, I think I think you're flirting best case scenario oh, with my uh, good a, a four five seed. Andrew, I don't know where you're at in the game, but at three oh five, we just had a feed from Curbelo to Hamlin. Was that Hamlin, Isaac? Yep. Wow. <laughs> okay, so wow. that was incredible. Uh, Curbelo, he just makes that. <laughs> he just makes it look so easy. Yeah, it's it, it is effortless he, for him. Yeah. He can see. He can see. Oh the game, my God! Uh, again, two with two forty-three to go. Hamlin with the second dunk on a feed from Curbelo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Thirty-six point lead for Illinois with two forty to go, and uh, wow, uh, Curbelo is 
I'm trying to think. There's no comp because D. Brown was a human fast break, but he was not a facilitator like this. He was really in the half-court offense, more of a three-point shooter, and a great defender, too. So he was an all-around player, but he was not the facilitator. Um, maybe sort of, maybe the comp, Andrew, is like you take the charisma of a D. Brown, and I'm apples and oranges here, but you take the charisma of a D. Brown on the court where you're always like, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? With the sort of wherewithal of a Darren Williams. Because Darren, the interesting thing about him is he never felt like he was the fastest guy on the court. He never felt like he was the biggest yeah. or the most athletically gifted, but he always knew what to do. So you mix that with like a constant turbo button, and that's Curbelo. Yeah. You know, you asked me earlier an NBA comparison. It just came to me, but I think Ricky Rubio is a good NBA comparison. Okay. Good yeah. comp for, for Curbelo. He's, he's, got, he's got that playmaking ability and, uh, yeah, covers up maybe other flaws or, or weaknesses in his game. But if Curbelo can get an outside shot, I mean, and, and and his body develops a little bit, the guy can play basketball at the highest level. I, I, I would not be shocked if he was a guy who had some staying power in the NBA. He was, to me, the most exciting recruit because of that feeling of, okay, the guys that Michigan State get that are there seemingly for seven or eight years, that they never leave, they're starters from day one, then they lead them to a couple Big Ten championships. I thought, we got that. We have that with Corbello. Yep. It's, it's, it is such an advantageous position to build a roster around a great point guard. And he kind of... Yeah, he's the, our Cassius Winston. Yeah, and I, I get the feeling that is the kind of personality that, you know, when you're trying to sell these new guys, and it may not happen in 2021, but when you're trying to sell this program to high school kids and you show them tape of, oh, here's the guy who's going to be feeding you, it can't hurt. I mean, he's just genuinely fun to watch, and I think that's objective. I think anyone that likes basketball would enjoy watching Curbelo play. All right, and 35-point lead here for Illinois, 2.30 to go, and uh, this turned into a game I, I did not expect at all this kind of margin, but you'll take it in the Big Ten opener. Okay, so guys, with 2.30 to go, we got the scrubs. I don't want to say the scrubs out there. That's mean, but we got Hamlin, Grandison, Hawkins. Uh, who's number two? Is that Griffin, Isaac? Who's this number two? Kid? No, number two is uh, shoot, Servan or uh, yeah, that's his last name. Huh. I think. And then is it Edgar Padilla at point guard? Edgar Padilla is. is so he no, out no, there? no, he's not. I'm sorry. Okay, so we got Curbelo's the one Cur- impact player. I thought I saw another guy out there. Okay, so we have Andre Curbelo and his band of merry men and a foul on this <laughs> sermon kid and. I, I didn't even know he existed. Wow. Hey, here's a question. Uh, Andrew, let's start with you. Your favorite, like, 12th man on the Illini team that, like, he'd be the guy that came in with a minute to go in a blowout and the crowd would go nuts. Who was your guy? Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm actually biased because uh, my, my dad, who's, who's, uh, um, who's faculty at the U of I, Robert Archibald, uh, rest in peace, was in my dad's class when I was a kid. And Archibald was the friendliest guy. I was maybe 10 years old and he told my dad that I could come to a practice. So I show up and uh, pretty much everyone big time, the, the 10 year old kid, except Arch <laughs> and Nate Mast. So yeah. Nate Mast is the guy who uh, I think, I think we played horse. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's got to be my favorite 12th man. And when I was a kid, I, I actually remember a, a big 10 championship run. Um, we, we made it all the way to the title game out of, out of nowhere. We That's were right. Bad. Yeah, ninety nine. Kind of had a, uh, a a coming out party. Yeah, nineteen ninety nine. Uh, see, I was I was a kid, but um, I'm I'm gonna go with Nate. He played significant minutes that year because other than Corey and uh, Serge, I think was a freshman. Other than that, you you were kind of lacking. I think Cleotis Brown was a junior transfer on that team. Well, Victor Chukadebe yeah, was a big guy. Yeah, yep, and and Arch was a freshman, and so he was he was pretty raw. Uh, I'll say mine, Isaac, and then get yours. Uh, for Nate Mass was great. I met him. Really, really nice guy. He's actually uh, pretty good friends with a cousin of mine. Uh, I, I would go... I'm going to go Fred and Ken Day. And that's not just because 05 was 05. But there was one moment in particular. We had a game up at the United Center. And Andrew, I don't know if, you're, if you recall the restaurant Rocks. 
It was on Springfield Avenue. Yep. Just as yeah, so kind of a sports bar place. So we watched that with a bunch of friends and family. Uh, the annual United Center game against an Oregon team that had no shot against Illinois. So Fred and Kende gets in there and lays down the best dunk, other than Roger Powell's putback against Louisville. The best dunk of the 0405 season was Fred and Kende against Oregon at the United Center. He was a fan favorite, just this sort of like burly six foot six guy, but he had hops. So that that's mine, Isaac. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Well, I'm a little bit younger, so I'm I kind of got a recency bias, but probably Matisse Vasile just because oh my God. <laughs> everybody would go nuts when he came on the court. And it was just one of those guys where you're like, where did this random tall, skinny, white European guy come from? And why is he on our team? And he would come in those games when you're up 30 at the beginning of the season and people would just go nuts. And there was some random game that year where uh, you had a bunch of foul trouble and he had to go in for a couple minutes. And I just remember he got eaten alive. Um, but yeah, poor, poor Basile. I have no idea where he is now, but he was just always a crowd favorite. A nice little take here from, okay, so that was Coleman Hawkins feeding Hamlin. So Hamlin's got six or did I get that right? Was it Grandis? Okay. I I'm losing track. Cause I will say right now we have Grandison and Hamlin and Curbelo have identical haircuts. I don't have enough experience watching Hamlin to really decipher him from other guys. We got a 92 to 65 lead. It looks like that'll be the final score. So we'll wrap up here in a second uh, to Matisse Vasile, uh, Isaac. That was Steve Breitweiser's number one guy. He was a Matisse fan, never panned out. Unfortunately, took a flyer on him for Underwood's first class. I remember I kept, I kept calling him Matic. Well, that's how it's spelled. Yeah. M-A-T-I-C. Yeah. This doesn't sound right, but he was just the guy that the student section, the orange crush would always get hype about and hope that you would score. Um, Was that 2017? 2017. Yep. 2017. Underwood's first year. Yep. Yep, 2017. Well, boys, 92 to 65. Illinois gets the win against Minnesota. Their first Big Ten opening win since 2013. A good start. Well, hell, let's call it what it is. A great start to the Big Ten season. Uh, Just a programming note for the 200 level. It'll be me and Isaac and Trevor, I believe, on Sunday for the Illinois Rutgers game. And then, Andrew, if you're down next Wednesday, uh, we got at Penn State an early start, 5.30 on Wednesday the 23rd, if you're around for that. Count me in. Awesome, man. Um, are you coming back in town by chance, or are you staying up in the Chicago area? I am. I think I'm going to come back uh, Come back to see you on Saturday is the plan. So I, I got a COVID test today just to, to be super safe. Sick. And right. It comes back negative, which... I haven't done anything. So I just, I just had the worst. I just had the worst use of the word sick because I, I shouldn't use that during a <laughs> pandemic when you just said you did not test positive. I'm like sick. All right. Uh, Andrew, Isaac, appreciate it guys. And uh, we will talk soon. Hey, let's do it. ILL 27 point win. I guess we'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Take care, Thanks, guys. guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, we'll see you. Bye. All right, Isaac Ambrose. Okay, and bye. with his 200-level debut, that was Andrew Wilson, old friend of mine, and uh, someone who knows basketball quite a bit. And we actually, back in the day at 107.1, there was a summer in my between my freshman and sophomore year where the Illini Drive at 5, which I hosted for a couple of years, it wasn't officially on the air, but Andrew and I would just walk down to the studio, walk in, take a, an hour's worth of music out of the log, and just do a show. And had a lot of fun doing it. So I uh, had fun talking with him again. And of course with Isaac, who you know very well, in what was a very easygoing win. Wasn't that nice? And it doesn't make you 100% forget about the Missouri game. Because that sucked. But Missouri might be good. We know Baylor's really good. And what that leaves you thinking is, okay, there are going to be moments of frustration this year. But it would be nice as the year goes forward. I mean, I'm not going to root for Missouri, but in a way I kind of am. I kind of want that loss to be validated. And we find out that they're really, really good. And in this Big Ten, Minnesota is going to be towards the bottom. There's no doubt about that. But this was a get-right game. And what I liked most about it is that for the first five or six minutes, you were flat and lethargic. And then you flip the switch on. And you play defense like that. You get on and run like Illinois did tonight. They will be right there for the Big Ten title. They will be. So the good thing to know is that when this team decides to show up, they're going to be hard to beat. The question is, can they maintain that consistency? We'll find out Sunday because they will need to play an exceptional game at Rutgers to get that win. That would be a monster early season win. All right, everybody. Got to get out of here. 
Thank you so much for listening. A little bit longer than I thought because of all the fouls in that second half, but you know, we can chill out and enjoy a 27-point Illini win. Before we go, a reminder, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. Use coupon code MIKE for $5 calzones, $6 premium and construction zones at dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order. And you might want to order soon for Christmas. They'll get it to you. They, they ship pretty quick, but uh, you want to make sure to get that order in for the Illini fan in your life. That's fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200 level. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Brianismyguy.com, of course, Trevor's favorite domain name. And I will say that Brian Hansen, well, it's tied, him and Lante, my favorite insurance agent. And Karen and I had a great experience working with Brian and his staff as we got homeowners and auto. Great State Farm prices, of course, but an exceptional service from him and his staff. Brianismyguy.com. For Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, we got a busy week ahead, I would assume. With something, okay, what is it, Saturday, a game at 4.30, I'm going to be honest with you. That's going to be kind of an on-call thing. I don't think that game's going to go well, Illinois-Penn State. So it may not even be worth doing a post game. And the game is sort of like the Craft Fight Hunger Bowl. Ultimately, who cares? It's a bonus game, and I'll enjoy it if Illinois plays well, and if they, if they don't, I'll turn on a movie or something. But we will decide on Saturday. And, hey, who knows, between now and then, there may be a new coach. There may be right? Um, Sunday for sure though. We'll be back noon, Illinois Rutgers, huge game, second half podcast for that. And the next few weeks up through the new year are going to be pretty packed here with the two under level. We got to thank all of you though. Honestly, we just had a monster week, a monster month. Uh, listenership is off the charts. We're showing up on national charts now, 136 for Apple podcast and basketball. And you might be thinking, well, 136, listen, that's Illini fans that are rabid that choose to put this in the rotation when there are tons of national NBA, NCAA basketball podcasts. So we really thank you for that. And South Korea and Japan, both South Korea and Japan were in the top 10 for basketball. I don't know how, but thank you to our international listeners. That is awesome. So we got Illini fans in South Korea and Japan. Who knew? Um, but appreciate all of you and tell a friend. Give us a rating and review at Apple Podcasts. That really helps us move up the charts or when people are searching us, for sure. Um, when they want an Illini podcast, if they've never heard of us, we are starting to show up more and more and more. Thanks to you. So appreciate the support. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. The Illini are 1-0 in the Big Ten, the record that matters the most, and a huge game coming up on Sunday. Take care, everybody. It is the 200 level.